And I'm proud to rank me some Beatles songs, cause they're 223. And I won't forget the band who sang to rank these songs for me. And I proudly stand up next to you when I rank them here today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this band. I'm not going to finish it. I don't even know how to finish it. Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> the, the creative bug came and went real fast on me on there. It's okay. I couldn't fin. I couldn't finish the chorus. That was enough of that. God bless this podcast, eh? <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ranking the Beatles, episode thirty-three. Hope everyone is doing well. Um, today, the day that we're taping this episode is January twentieth. What a day it has been. We have a new president in the United States of America. Yay, yay. Not a moment too soon. We are very excited about that. Um, yeah, it's been a busy day. Uh, hope you all have had a good week uh, in the future when you're listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Time is so weird. Time is weird. It's hard to discuss current day right, on an because... episode that will come out in two weeks. Right. People yeah. will be listening to this in the future. I hope you're... Uh, I hope your February whatever is, is good. Oh, is this coming out in February? This is. In, ah. in, well, maybe, I don't know. It's in two weeks. So, yeah, I guess early February. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We might have passed my birthday by then. That's true. Um, if you didn't know, February 1st is the lovely Miss Julia's birthday. Hey, y'all. So, uh, hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, be sure to uh, tell her happy belated birthday. I'm glad that this is airing after my birthday because I'm not a big birthday person. So I usually like it to pass without a whole bunch of fanfare. Yeah. I usually just tell you to take me out of town <laughs> so I can ignore it completely. Not doing it this year, boo. It's okay. It's okay. We'll do it. We'll do it next time. Next year? Maybe. Ugh, maybe. We'll see. Hopefully. We'll see how this goes. Fingers crossed. Come on, COVID plan. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. Well, gang, if you if this is your first time listening to our show, what we do here is uh, we ranked 223 songs recorded and released by the Beatles uh, in least favorite to most favorite order. And every week we count them down with a different guest. Uh, talk about what we like about them, what we don't like about them. The songs, not the guests. Uh, <laughs> feel like I should clarify that. Everyone, welcome, James. Let's right. talk about why we hate him. Uh, <laughs> What we think works about it, what doesn't work about it. Um, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because it's all subjective fun. Uh, just here to talk about our favorite band for a little while. So welcome. Grab yourself a tasty beverage. Uh, we have one. What are you drinking on? Um, I'm just having some Pinot. A little Pinot. I've got mm -hmm. a Guinness. A little celebratory Guinness. Yes. Excellent. I well, usually don't drink when we record. You but don't. tonight... Calls for a drink. It, in, indeed. It's been a long, a long four years. So Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that in mind, let's, let's take all of the, the madness of today out and let's, uh, let's dive into our episode today. 
Our guest today is a New Orleans-based singer-songwriter. He's the front man for the musical groups Little Maker, The Essentials, and most recently, Baby Grand. Uh, his latest solo album, uh, recorded solo McCartney style in isolation, is called Abundances, and it's out on Fat Tuesday, February 16th. Uh, he's also the co-producer of the music appreciation podcast American 100, a podcast that explores the music of America by way of the history of the Billboard Top 100 charts. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, friends. He's a busy guy. He is a busy guy. Don't know how he does it. Glad he made some time for us. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. So, friends, please welcome to the show Micah McKee. Hi. Hey, man. Hello. How are you? <laughs> How's it going? Uh, it's, it's been a, you know, it's been a an overwhelming day. I'm not yeah. sure. I, I'm not sure why that is, but something is in the air. Um, <laughs> Did something happen? Was there something I in the news? Freedom. Something, <laughs> is that freedom in the air? <laughs> Someone's cooking freedom up there. Um, <laughs> No, I, I actually I don't drink that often um, anymore. But today I had I had a glass of wine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I felt like a, yep. I felt you know actually let me let me go grab one for this interview. Do that, man. Go for it. A few moments later, I felt like uh, you know a a kid. Like, can we have fun again? We can. Ha can we have fun again? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it it is weird. Like I feel this like odd sense of like of exhaustion like it, it it's almost that like holy crap we got through it and even though yeah. like it was a horrible four years like it's just kind of i don't know I don't, and, and you don't even know that it's over because lord knows what the fuck is going to happen after this right yeah. right right but it's like yeah. at least you beat the first boss you're like all right cool totally. <laughs> i'm gonna go eat a lunchable I, i'll get back on this game in a little bit totally <laughs> absolutely um yeah. And, you know, we all try to, we all, this last four years, we all try to get through it however we could. Yeah. And just not having to think about that obstacle mm -hmm. anymore. Just the, like you said, that first boss is, is, is kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. Right. We don't have this, this weight kind of hanging over our heads every day. Yeah. I remember four years ago when every, when this happened, um, I mean, for a solid, like, 10 months, I woke up every morning checking my phone, yeah. making sure the fabric of, of society <laughs> was still in place, right? Yeah. Right. Like, just like, you know, um, you know, just, just like making sure that everything was still held together. Yeah. Um, and, um, and just, so it'll be nice to not have to worry about that and to talk about things like records and right. the music that we love, <laughs> yeah. you know, without some other dude, you know, hanging out in the background. So it's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Cause that's the one thing that you always say is like, it'll be so nice to not like check Twitter. Or just be like, what just the like fuck wake up overnight? in the morning. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, dude, every morning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and especially with COVID and yes. pandemic, you know, like you don't have much outside interaction. So yeah, there's not a whole lot that uh, that we can kind of, you know, turn off. I mean, 
in a way, our isolation kind of made this a little bit worse because we weren't able to blow off the steam at yeah. the bar or mm-hmm. at the coffee shop. You know, we weren't able to go I to mean, a show, weird... like it, to enjoy those totally. things that like let, you know, a concert goer enjoyed or a musician like express that frustration. Like you just have absolutely. to sit there and just stew in it, which is like horrible. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so... it took away like a lot of like a expressing like as an outlet, but also like the joy, like the little nuggets of joy that we would find along the way that would sustain us <laughs> totally. through the next disastrous decision you know, that would not sustain some people. Mm -hmm. Um, But like just those little bits of like community and, you know, being around people and love and happiness that we could like think back to, to like get us through. They were just like, nah, you don't get that anymore either. (laughs) Well, you you know, one of those things was Paul McCartney's record. That was one of those things for me where it was like this thing that, that we like, Paul's voice is a thing that we know and love and lean on mm-hmm. in times of, you know, distress and trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a really nice thing this past December to have that record. Yeah. Um, to, to, to get us through this moment right here. Yeah. You know? That's a really interesting thing. Cause it's, it's very much like, you know, Paul's become like the world's favorite grandpa, you know, kind of in the same <laughs> way that like, you know, Everyone's like, oh, it's all it's Uncle Joe. He's back. It's like, you know, it's totally. fine. It, it's comfort food. Sure. Yeah. I'll take it. You know, totally, totally. Like yeah. not perfect, it's a good too. but it is generally a good harmless. Like- yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. It's not, it's not his best record, but, you know, it's, it's fine. So I, I want to ask you, man, uh, you know, it's been a strange, uh, a strange year for everybody, musicians, especially. Uh, how has it been for you? What have you been up to over the last uh, 12 months of isolation and strangeness? You know, man, you know, like a lot of folks, uh, myself included, were pretty worried about the effect that this would have on me creatively um, and what would happen if I would just turn inward and just become like a Howard Hughes, you know, <laughs> type, you know, with buckets of refuse and stuff lying around. <laughs> um and and thankfully that didn't happen. Oh, um, yeah, that, that yeah, is a good thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I ended up uh, starting a podcast, uh, American One Hundred, um, which I had in work in the works for like two years, mm-hmm. um, and I just never had the time. Right. Um, and so the 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 waters parted, so to speak, and I had the time to do it, and. I gathered all the research I had done for two years and sat down with that. Um, I recorded three albums. Um, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, I recorded three albums, um, which is a blessing. I mean, honestly, I've been more creative during pandemic than I've been outside of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, I guess there's just a lot of time, a lot of quiet time. Uh, and, and I find that I write really, really well with a lot of quiet time. Yeah. You know, um, I find that I'm more creative, um, when there's just melodies and lyrics popping around in there. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, between that, I, you know, between the podcast, 
uh, my music, my musical projects. I mean, I've been pretty busy. Yeah. You know, um, there's not a day that's gone by where I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's great. You that, know, that's fantastic. That's, that's so good to hear. I, I want to ask you, I, I, we'll come back to the podcast. Um, I want to ask a little bit about your, your record first. Um, I know that's coming out on Mardi Gras day. Uh, abundance yeah. is the record. So tell me a little, yeah. I know you mentioned it was kind of done McCartney style at home. Are you playing yeah. everything yourself on it? Like give us a little bit of the, yeah, man. of the record. Yeah, man. So, um, this is the third album that, um, I recorded at home. Um, this past year mm-hmm. and um i played everything on it um except for there's a couple guest spots mr miles weeks plays bass on the uh single lead single coming out and uh rose cangelosi from baby grand and fantasy Nonfiction and a ton of other bands she does vocals on one track um outside that it's all me um it's kind of weird because i got into sampling for the first time um uh ever mm-hmm. you know i was never really into sampling i didn't really know how it worked um but the other thing that i've been doing uh besides you know making music is listening to music mm-hmm. so i i've got a you know pretty decent record collection and i've been you know stacking up a bunch of vinyl since i since pandemic hit because that's what you do what else you spending to- your money on <laughs> yeah, exactly what else you spending your money on you know yeah. besides pizza um and, you know, I realized I have, like, a lot of really cool records, a lot of like, really obscure records. Um, and I was like, man, I wonder if I could, like, I wonder if I could, like, sample some of this stuff, you know, and, like, incorporate it into the music. Oh, who's your favorite Beatles? What's your middle name? Do you like singing in the rain? Someone said the dream was over, and now we're waking up. Um, so there's a lot of weird soundscapes going on in the background of this, this record. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's from these records. A lot of it's from, you know, songs that I found on the internet. A lot of it's from, some of it's from, uh, like I think the song uh, "Your Favorite Beetle" on the record, uh, there is like a transcript from like an old um, uh, record of radio dramas. Like I was old... curious what that was from. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's a from an old record of uh, radio dramas, mm-hmm. uh, like 1920s radio dramas. Um, but yeah, I, I I got into sampling for the first time, and um, it turned out I wasn't. You know, nowadays it's a lot easier to do. Um, than I guess it was a long time, like back in the 80s or yeah. you know, when they first started sampling stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so nowadays, I mean, you really just need a computer. Right. Um, and um, yeah, so I got really into that. So um, there's even, there's sample drum beats on the record. I used a drum machine um, for some of the beats. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I really had all the tools. Outside that, I have guitars and guitars and guitars and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> up, you know I mean I had all the stuff I needed to make an album yeah you know um, so, so yeah not? it just so why not yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean I love playing in bands I love the act of um, you know being on stage with a band and being in the studio with a band and this is not a dig at you know 
not being not playing with other musicians. I actually sure. absolutely love playing with other musicians. But when the opportunity presents itself for me to just have total control over the whole thing, yeah, then I'm going to take it. Right. You know, <laughs> it's such a rare <laughs> a rare thing to have. You know, it to really have is man. the songs, the time, uh, the equipment, the ability to do all that is such a rare a rare thing it is and it all kind of fell into place and you know i would not have been able to do it if it weren't for this time right you know what i mean mm-hmm. in the real world this would not have been tenable yeah um so i was i'm, I'm thankful for this for this gift so yeah i, I recorded uh, the record abundances um and um i named it it was originally going to be called an abundance of rain um and that was taken from this really crazy clip of this like religious zealot um, who was stumping for a particular uh, presidential candidate. <laughs> and I thought it was just this crazy um, just metaphor for how much crap <laughs> <laughs> we are, we've just been inundated with, right? Right. Um, and I wanted to take the piece, all of these, these pieces of, of, um, of the background noise that we hear, all the weird sounds, the weird loops that we hear in life, and, and make it beautiful, make it pretty, mm-hmm. you know? So that's why it's called Abundances. It's just, a, it's full of sounds and, um, you know, that we encounter as bystanders on, the, on this journey. Yeah. That's fantastic, that's man. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you sent over the track, uh, your favorite Beatle, which will have been playing underneath the podcast throughout this whole time, this whole time. Um, cool. I, I really, you know, that's something that is, it, it hit home to me cause I seem to feel like that's probably a early, an initial conversation that Julia and I had when we first started dating, as you like get to know, you know, this new person, there's all these kind of like important basics about the person that you have to know you know, like your middle name, your favorite Beatles, Absolute, you know, things like absolutely, that. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I kind of loved hearing that moment, like in the song. It was like, yeah, I remember having that moment. Like, you know. Absolutely. I mean, that, that song was, you know, basically about, you know, when you're in isolation, missing getting to know strangers. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of the things I really love doing, going to bars or shows or cafes and just striking up a conversation with a stranger and getting to know that person. And like you said, one of the first things you, you kind of talk about with the person is who's your favorite Beatle, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, um, and it, it tells you a lot about a person. It does. Um, it definitely does. <laughs> it definitely does. Well, that's I, interesting. I, now I'm like, ooh, what are your judgments for the different? I heard Beatles? your last episode. The last episode, don't pass me by, right? That mm-hmm. was the last. Episode, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Um, and I realized listening to that album that I don't think I've met a person that answers Ringo to that question um who's your favorite beetle mm-hmm. and and i and i wonder why that is even though he's so beloved right he's so beloved and he's so integral to everything absolutely like you know and, and, and i don't have the answers <laughs> yeah it, 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 that's a tough question because like you know paul can play drums on a track uh john played drums on a couple tracks here and there. like someone can take the role but it doesn't always work out as well as when Ringo is there. So sure. I think it's tough. To, I think honestly, most of the people that would probably answer that will be drummers. 
Um, I wonder if it's, it's because he never really like had a voice. Like even his songs were sort of like imitations of things that he loved, which are fine. Right. But he never yeah. really was like, this is me. This is who I am as Ringo. You know, whereas like yeah. John especially put it all out there, yeah. good or bad. You know, Paul put yeah. it out there. George put it out there. Ringo never really like he was just like the fun guy who held it down. You know, he was which like is wild, which is wild, because if you look back at like early, early Beatles, right? Ringo was a, like a fan favorite. Yeah. Like people loved that dude, mm -hmm. you know? Like he was, he was like the cute one. Yeah, you know, what I mean, Ringo for president. You know, like all those yes, things. Yes, yeah. absolutely. He was a songs about him. I mean, yeah, totally. He's a total fan. So, fan. yeah. So I'm still look. I'm still trying to find that person that says Ringo and and really get into that mind of that person. Right. I'm hoping that someone that listens to this show will listen to this episode and be like, "That's my Ringo is my favorite Beatle." If that is you, listener, please con, please post it in our comments. Yeah. And let's talk about yes, that. Mike has got questions for you. And so do we. Absolutely. Well, I want to uh, I want to rewind the the tape a little bit here um, and go back to the beginning. When do you first encounter the Beatles? What's your first introduction to them? So you had a guest on um, Bruce Spicer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I and his story was actually like we're obviously generations apart, mm -hmm. but his story is actually pretty similar to mine. I, like in that he first heard the Beatles on a school bus and that's where I first heard the Beatles. Hmm. Um, I grew up taking the school bus in middle school and high school. And um, we have a local radio station here to WTIX yep. uh, 94.3 and fantastic radio station. And, um, and they played a lot of Beatles. They would famously, I think they have a show show is it sunday morning or saturday sunday morning? they do breakfast with the beatles and on breakfast thursdays the they do uh beatles thursday where they do back-to-back -back beatles throughout the morning drive that's what it was yep. that's what it was and so i would hear these beatles tunes and generally i liked them and but they were they were generally pre-65 beatles mm -hmm. um on that show um, and so like, I, I, I liked them. I had a respect for them, but I didn't really come around to the Beatles as something that something that was integral or influential to me until I became a songwriter, like mm -hmm. around 19 or 20. Um, and I remember the moment, um, and it's great that we're talking about, um, the song that we're talking about because, um, there was a DJ, a local DJ who I used to idolize in town and she, I still idolize her because, but she became a friend of mine. Are we talking like and, a radio DJ or like a spinning DJ? Like, a, like a... so she used, she used to DJ at on WTUL. Okay. And she also DJs, DJs dance parties in town. Okay. And, um, I remember I went over to her house one night. This is when we were first becoming friends. And I went over her house one night and I was maybe 19 or 20 and she was a little bit older than I am. And she pulls out rubber soul and she was like, you know, this is the Beatles album you got to get into, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, at this point I was really into folk music. I was really into Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of the perfect. That's time. a good transition for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and she was like, man, you know, this is this is my favorite record, and this is my favorite Beatles song. And she, she put this, she puts on weight, 
and that was her favorite Beatles song. Interesting. And yeah, totally. Um, and I remember it sounded, the record sounded sparse. It sounded tight. Mm -hmm. It didn't sound like other Beatles that I was familiar with. I mean, I want to hold your hand is a loud song, right? It's like, it's like a punk rock song. It's very heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have that and you juxtapose that with Norwegian wood or, um, nowhere man. And it's, it's night and day. Right. Um, and so that really brought me into the Beatles. I was like, who is this band? Because <laughs> this band is way cooler than that other. <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Because I, I was I was still like, I was still 19 or 20. I was still into slackers, you know? Right. And you don't want to be like walking around bumping like, love me do. You know? Right, <laughs> like, right. Trying to win cred points. Cool. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was my, that was the big, that was the moment that really got me into the Beatles was rubber soul. And, um, and I know everyone talks about rubber soul being that turning point for the Beatles, but it was that turning point for me. Yeah. Um, because as a songwriter who was into, you know, Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, um, Phil Oaks, Cat Stevens, you know, as being that that being what I was really into rubber mm. soul really appealed to me yeah. at that time. Yeah. Was there anything pre that moment uh, in kind of a broad sense that kept you from taking a dive into that catalog at any point you think? I mean, I think it was just, I talked to someone today, you know, and I mentioned I was going to be on the show and, she was like, I hate the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that 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 I that attitude is kind of common for a lot of folks. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they have this idea of the Beatles. I'm not saying this person doesn't know what she's talking about. But sure. like, you know, I I I kind of felt the same way. I, I had this idea of the Beatles and I resented them for. I don't know why I resented them. I, I guess maybe I thought they were too cute, mm -hmm. you know. I thought they weren't gritty enough. I thought right. they weren't edgy enough. I thought they weren't folky enough. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, honestly, they they are all of those things. You just have to get into the right deals right. at the right time. And they're certainly so omnipresent and pushed down your throats in you know so many different ways. Whether it's Absolutely. you know just the catalog is everywhere. The music is everywhere. The imagery is everywhere. So I can definitely tons see tons of like, assholes on the internet making podcasts right. about them. <laughs> valid. I, valid I, I will say, I, I will say there are more assholes though, that like to be contrary and like to say, you know, the Beatles suck because of this or mm -hmm. that, you know, there are people that are contrary just to be contrary. Just and I think be. I was kind of one of those people, yeah. you know, honestly. And I think that's um, also a real, like, that's a real like characteristic of youth. Um, you know, a lot of the people that I know who, who have had that same mentality of like, Oh God, the Beatles are so lame. At some point they're like, okay, cool. Like I heard this thing and like, that's pretty tight. I can, I'll give points on that. Like, they definitely will warm up to things as they get older. And then, and then there are some who are just like, no, it's trash, you know? And yeah. I've ended up in yeah. bands with people like that and I don't fucking understand how it happens. <laughs> totally. I mean, and look, I respect, I respect the, the decision to not want the Beatles in your life. Um, even after, I mean, I know people that have actually gone into deep dives 
to try to get into the Beatles and just it Didn't doesn't work. speak to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's not that common, but it happens. Sure, sure. Um, for me, I, I just the thing that was holding me back was just not being exposed to the real Beatles. Right. Or to the right Beatles for the right time. Because mm-hmm. sure. like you might have sure. got somebody might have given you Magical Mystery Tour, which is a great record, but would have just not hit where you were looking at that point in time. Yeah, I mean, I will say I started when I started Rubber Soul, I went chronologically. Mm-hmm. I like I made it a point to from that point listen chronologically and get in get all the records chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, I've always been kind of a completist. Like if I have one record by an artist if, and I like it, I want to get them all. The whole catalog, um, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, but that's that's how my journey with the Beatles started. I I got into them pretty chronologically. And then I was making mixtapes of like their songs. And I mean, that was, but Rubber Soul was the touchstone. That was the beginning. That's fantastic, man. I'm, I'm so glad that we've got you here uh, for for this song then. then how, how fortunate is that? It's very yeah. fortunate. Yeah. I love it. Um, as a musician and artist, how have the Beatles impacted your work? So um, I have these weird moments where um, I will say, I'll start by saying this. I There are intentional Beatles references musically and lyrically on every single album that I've written. Mm-hmm. And it's now at this point, it's become this like cutesy thing. Um but it first started because I wanted to pay homage to this group and I didn't know how mm-hmm. because be- the Beatles have integrated themselves into American pop music and pop music in general w- involuntarily. I mean, you people involuntarily are doing are ripping off the Beatles without knowing it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was aware at a very early age that I was doing this, but I really didn't know how. And now, um, now I do it more intentionally. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm, I, I have things that I like to make nods to. I don't know if you listen, you guys listen to Dr. Dog. Um, uh, bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. I mean, they make, they also make very intentional sonic nods to the Beatles. Um, and I think that's really fun. It's really, it's really clever. And the Beatles are a really, really clever band. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not really sure if I can pinpoint exactly how this band has influenced, uh, my music or my storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it certainly has. Um, melodically, I mean, they're one of the things I love about them is that they have these simple sounding melodies that aren't really that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've incorporated that into my music. I like to, you know, convey feelings and emotions and sounds that are simple sounding, but aren't really that simple. Right. Um, and, um, or have, and even lyrically too, have, you know, they juxtapose, you know, really simple emotive lyrics, um, but have like these crazy overarching meanings 
mm-hmm. you know i love doing that so that's that's kind of how it's it's been for me it's I, i've incorporated that kind of ethos into my music and yeah. my songwriting i think that's a really good point because you know one of the things that i thought was really interesting about the chorus on on your favorite beetle is you know the lyric is you know who's your favorite beetle what's your middle name and you can take those two questions and that situation of the conversation in multiple different ways. It can be platonic. It can be romantic. Um, and it Absolutely. really helps set a scene, which is what, you know, that's one of the things that they're so good at is they can tell a story without giving you line by line story. They can kind of paint that picture in a more roundabout way, which I think makes things a bit more, I don't want to say challenge. It's not a, it's not challenging. You're just, you're, maybe giving your audience more the the respect that they deserve as like a smart person with like feelings absolutely. and emotions. It doesn't have to absolutely. be, you're not like hitting them over the head with like, love me do like you're asking for a little bit of thought from it, you know? And I think that's absolutely. really impressive. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, you know, like your audience, you already know that your audience is smart. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you hope that they are, you're right. listening, they're listening to your music. So you hope that they are <laughs> on your, on the level, as they say, you yeah. know? And so to, to throw, to throw your audience that bone, that's what you do. You, you don't give them the play by play. You give them the, the parts that really matter. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think about she's leaving home and I think about, you know, there's this very detailed snapshot of this moment Mm -hmm. and paul doesn't really give you how the speaker feels about it really Mm -hmm. you know like it's almost like he's like taking a, a photograph of this moment and he's leaving it up to the the listener to have this emotional response you know and I think that's really important and that's really special. And right. I think that's something that um, is lacking out of, you know, not so great pop music is like you said, not having to hit you over the head and tell you how to feel, just show you this, this simple story. Right. You know? And the other thing that, that on that song that I think is so interesting is he never tells you why she's leaving. Sure. You don't no. know is, was there a fight with her family? Is she going to, university like what's her plan joining a convent right like (laughs) joining a cult you don't know i mean you know you you don't know the why and they never give you any crumb as to as to what it or context at all absolutely it's just here's a drop in of of a moment you know and that's so fascinating absolutely and that that to me is that's that's good pop songwriting for sure um and if people have to ask you what your lyrics are about, you're probably doing something right. Yeah. I think that's right you know? on. Yeah. 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 That's like, I would never <laughs> really a, thought about it like that. I'm like, we just oh had. shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, because if, because if they don't ask you, they don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. You know, if they yeah. don't ask you, they don't care what the answer is. Yeah. You know, if they don't ask you, they they don't like the song or it doesn't move them. If they're curious enough, I mean, people ask John Lennon, for years what his lyrics were about and he would famously be like i don't know yeah you know but like i think that answer of like it doesn't really mean anything i've i've said that to people that that have asked me what my lyrics are about and 
that answer is not supposed to be snide or it's it's just supposed to be like yo this is about a mood it's about a feeling it's about where we were at the time mm-hmm. it's about the the idea of feeling sad the idea of feeling lonely it's about the, the things that make us human it doesn't have to have any kind of tangible meaning yeah mm-hmm. and i and that's that's what i take from their songwriting yeah and i think that's one of the things that we i've talked about this before um you know i'm a big oasis fan um, and one of the things that I love about Noel Gallagher's songwriting is some of it is so obtuse and weird and makes no sense lyrically that you can really ap- apply it to however you want it to be. And it can fit whatever storyline or feeling you want it to fit. Like I can listen to Champagne Supernova in five different moods and interpret it five different ways. Um, totally. And I think that's something that, you know, admittedly, you know, he obviously you know, borrows liberally from the school of Beatles songwriting. It, um, it works though, man. Yeah. It works. Yeah. If it, if it, I, if it works, don't I was recently, don't yeah, I, I was, I was recently listening to that record. Um, What's the story morning glory. Mm-hmm. And it holds up. It does. It really does. I, I, and I, I, I look, I think it holds up because they, the lyrics, the songwriting, the, the production, it's all there. It's tasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't play his audience for an idiot. He knows that we know that they're into the Beatles. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's fine. Yep. We can, it, it's a jumping off point. It's a conversation. Exactly. That he's having with the audience. And I, I, I love it. I'm glad you brought that band up. There. Oh, Fantastic, good. I think man. you found your co-host for right. your Oasis podcast, and it doesn't have to be me. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. I love, but... I love what you guys do. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, man. We have a lot of fun with it. It's Like you said, this is totally born out of COVID boredom. You know, God, a month or two into lockdown, I did the list out of yeah. pure boredom. Maybe like a month. It was pretty early yeah. on. and uh, It was pretty early on. Yeah. I remember that. I remember when it dropped because... I was like, because I started American 100, I think, in June. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was it was May. Uh, you guys started in. We started doing episodes, I think, in June. But I think I was posting rankings in April or May. So I think, no, April, because I think there was two months between when I started and when we started this. Yeah, because you posted about them for a little bit. Yeah. And then like decided to do the pod. That's and what then it you was. you had to sort of like figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. Because I remember seeing it and I was like, damn, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's definitely been, um, you know, the well, uh, the well needed distraction from a lot of things. So, yes, uh, indeed. Well, why don't we uh, let's jump into it then. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Beautiful. All right, friends, coming in this week at number 184 is Wait. It's been a long time. Now I'm coming back home. I've been away now. Oh, how I've been alone. I've been 
All right, originally recorded on the 17th of June, 1965, the last day of tracking done on the Help album. Uh, it was recorded in four takes, with the fourth one being marked best. Uh, Wait ended up as one of four songs recorded during the Help album sessions that did not make it onto the album. The others being If You've Got Trouble, which we had at number 216. That means a lot at number 214. And yes, it is the fantastic B-side to the Ticket to Ride single, which we will not get to for quite a long time. Uh, they did two. Ad- uh, they did record two additional tracks. Uh, Larry Williams covers Bad Boy and Dizzy Miss Lizzy, which were intended for the U.S. market, uh, though Dizzy Miss Lizzy ended up on the Help album as its closer. Uh, the following day, a first pass of a mono mix was made on the Help album, with Weight included. But the following day, a stereo mix was done, and Weight was off the track listing and into the vault. So we fast forward to November 11th, 1965, my birthday, but many years prior. Uh, the very last day of recording <laughs> sessions for the now Rubber Soul album, and the band find themselves one song short of their quota of 14 tracks per album. Uh, the earlier part of the evening found the band recording Paul's You Won't See Me from start to finish, followed by John's Girl from start to finish. Uh, the rate at which these guys could work is just astonishing to me. Um, so once tracking on those two are complete, they pull out the tape for weight, uh, overdubs are added to the track, including George's volume pedal guitar, percussion from Ringo, and additional vocal double tracking and harmonies. Uh, once finished, the band still found time that night to add lead vocals and further overdubs to I'm Looking Through You, thus completing work on what reads very much as maybe a rush job, but turns out to be one of their masterpiece albums, Rubber Soul. Uh, the band never perform Wait Live, and none of the Beatles solo have ever performed it. Uh, so, why do I have Wait at number 184? So, before I knew that Wait was an outtake from Help, I could always feel that something didn't quite fit with the rest of the album for it. Um, it seems to toe this weird line of, like, earlier beat group Beatles uh, mixed with, like, that burgeoning, mature, darker Beatles. And once I learned of its backstory, it makes a lot more sense. I feel like sonically, it's kind of at war with itself. You know, Rubber Soul is a real warm sounding album. Uh, They're trying new mic techniques. There's new instruments coming in. And Help is still kind of the same touring gear. It's the Rickenbacker, the Gretsch, the Hoffner, um, you know, doing kind of recording things the way that they'd been doing up till that point. And then there's also there's, you know, tonal differences vocally for Lennon and McCartney. Um, you know, record to record as their voices mature, uh, as they tour and play different amounts, they're smoking more, taking more drugs, um, you know, and time just causes little slight changes to a person's voice. And I think on each record, their voices are just little, you know, small, noticeable bits different. Um, So you're getting, you know, early 65 vocals mixed with late 65 vocals, and they kind of sound like four singers instead of two singers multi-tracking yeah, to me. Absolutely. Um, musically, it kind of fits in this melancholy role that some of the rubber soul era stuff lives in, you know, minor keys are giving it this real kind of darkness. Uh, the arrangement though, feels more like that beat group style, uh, that I think help is really the last kind of gasp for them as writers of that beat group thing in a way. Um, where, so maybe it feels like somewhat unsophisticated compared to the rest of the album. Uh, it almost feels like, you know, a track another great 60s pop rock band like a Dave Clark Five or a Turtles are doing like an intentionally Beatles sounding thing. Um, it feels like a help song wearing a rubber sole costume. Um, wow. And it just doesn't seem as like thought out as the rest of the album. Uh, you know, I kind of I feel like late 65 Beatles would have played this and recorded this with more nuance than early 65 Beatles. 
Um, I really wish that they had maybe taken the time to go back and just retrack the whole thing, put a little more thought into it. Now the bridge, which I really like, you know, feels like it could have been thought out some more like in the first, the first pass, they just kind of play through it. The second pass, they do a little crescendo on it. Just can't help but feel like that part's underdeveloped for some reason. Um, sure. But that said, I actually really enjoy this track. I think the vocal melodies are great on it. John and Paul do fantastic harmonizing. Um, I love John's pickup vocals at the start of each line. He's got such a great power on his voice. Then even when he's single tracked, uh, you know, 1965, John vocal is kind of like my sweet spot for me. Sure. Um, hell yeah. Yeah. And I think Paul's voice is great here too. I'll, I mean, he, he's doing the high harmony in the verse and chorus, but then I, it's really cool in the bridge. He comes with this kind of, uh, super controlled lower part, which I think is a really nice kind of transition. Um, I, I really like the arrangement in terms of like the verses are real understated, uh, kind of syncopated. The volume pedal is a great signature sound for it. The choruses are great and how they have the kind of unusual bar count, um, which I think keeps the ear interested. And that's always something that they're great at doing. I think the biggest issue the track may have is that it's kind of like the little brother in a group of big brother and big brother's friends. It's the same DNA, just not as mature and wise and not quite in its element. Uh, but all in all, I really dig the track a lot. So now that I have waxed for the last five minutes, I open the floor. Micah, would you like to take it? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that's really interesting because when I found out that this song was supposed to be on on Help, I, it, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes sense that this was done for the Help sessions. But I also think that it it wiggles its way on on rubber soul in a really interesting way like it feels like it should it feels like it's a part of this album for me and maybe it's just because i hear this album as a whole mm -hmm. and i and this album i think what is it is it track 8 12 i think oof wow it's, so it's deep, it's a deep yeah it's, it's a deep, deep in that album yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and for that reason i'm like okay this feels like something that should be on rubber soul um, not just, not just that, but like it, it does still have the sparseness that I'm looking for when I look at, look at Rubber Soul, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it's not bombastic. Mm -hmm. Um, it almost, it almost reminds you of, um, you're going to lose that girl from, mm -hmm. I, which I think is also on those sessions. Yeah. It's help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I think that song could have also wriggled its way on a rubber sole if it wanted to. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's this weird connective tissue. Yeah. Um, especially the the weirdness of the harmonies, the like the the minor key weirdness and like the eeriness of the harmonies. I think it are the thing that puts it at make it at home in, at rubber sole, mm -hmm. and um, almost has a like an eight days of the week kind of like vibe to it. Like the, the weird harmony. Um, I'm, I'm really cool with this song. Yeah. Um, it, the lyrics aren't great at, at all. Right. Um, <laughs> it is, it is kind of towing that line of like early McCartney throwaway lyrics. But it's like, hello. Goodbye. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, but musically, I think it's, I think it works. I also, I don't know if you've touched on this or um, I, I think of this song as an indie pop song. 
Interesting. Like this was like Paul McCartney, you know, I think Ram and McCartney one are often referenced as like the first indie pop albums, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think you get a, a really great glimpse of that in this song. This song really exemplifies some of the things that Paul would do a little bit later um, where he got a little bit weirder, mm-hmm. a little darker. Um, and I mean, it's that use of shaker, you know, it's the, it's the little things mm-hmm. that make this just that m- much more different than early, early Beatles stuff. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit more sophisticated. That's interesting. Cause I feel like they're really good at, and usually I, I think, it, I think generally it's Paul is really good at doing like really important percussion overdubs, um, especially Absolutely. on a tambourine. He's a great tambourine player, uh, which is a weird thing. Like he's great at tambourine. Um, <laughs> absolutely. But no, I can absolutely. always tell when he, cause he, cause like Ringo will just like hold down a steady tambourine pattern, but Paul is accents all over the place. He's usually playing two at once. Um, so it's a real like dense thing that takes up a lot of space, but moves things along real well, which I think is always kind of interesting. And he does that a lot. Um, you know, going into his solo stuff, kind of figuring out where those spaces are that need to be filled with something that's not just like guitar or, you know, piano, just like something new, you know, he's, I think always looking for that kind of new thing. Absolutely. I mean, and that's one of the things I really get from this, this song. I mean, I, even though John's voice is very prominent in this song, um, this is clearly a Paul tune. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, this is like, you know, there's no doubt in my mind. If, I think I even read something where John was like interviewed about this song and like didn't remember it yeah. at all. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that must that must have been Paul. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's like it's like credited with being like a, one of the first fifty fifty songs, and it's like Paul John's that. like. Eh. I, yeah, which I, is which is weird yeah. because it's like definitely a Paul song. Well, I, um, I think that's probably chalked up to like by that point it was kind of like whoever wrote it was singing it. Because um, I mean, yeah. by late '65 they weren't really that collaborative as like the way they were, you know, a few years prior. Um, right. But and also I think because John starts the track and has kind of the lead vocal throughout the verses and the choruses. Um, you know, people have to, people assume, you know, it's a 50, 50 thing. And then also totally. it's a minor key, which is more of a John thing. More of a point. John thing. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have that so, sunny Paul. Absolutely. It, you know, what are you thinking yeah. over here? You're being cautious. You're being oddly quiet. No, I'm taking it all in. <laughs> I, I'm actually like really surprised that this song is so low. I'm that you would put it so low. Mm-hmm. I'm, I feel like this would be such your jam. Like it. When I was listening to it, it sounds like something to me, but I, I was poking around in like Apple Music trying to figure out what it sounded like to me, and I couldn't find what it was like latching onto in my head. So, mm. but it, it's sort of like you mentioned, like the turtles, like sort of like the kinks or something like that. Like it sounds like something else, which is totally your wheelhouse. Right. So I am like, right. wow, this is, I'm surprised we've come to this one so quickly. Because um, I really like this song. Um, like, Micah, you mentioned earlier that it's sort of sparse. And I really enjoy that about it. Like, there's a lot of breathing room because I f- yes. feel like there's a lot happening in here, like with the tambourine and the harmonies. Like, and it kind of, and I really enjoy sort of like the the cadence and the 
of like the different syllables. Like it does the the sort of Paul rhyming that he's so famous for, but yep. the the syllables are different. Like in the chorus, you talking in the uh, been a long time that 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 that, that like that. I'm sorry, the verses, okay. not the chorus. Okay, like they rhyme, but it's like a different number of syllables for the lines that rhyme. And so mm-hmm. that like keeps my ear super interested. And it's like a thing to think about. But I feel like the sparseness of the music gives you space to be like, oh, shit, the the syllables that like the cadence of the syllables is like weird. And like, right. let me think about that. I think it's like a. <laughs> It's like an A-A-B-C-C-B rhyme scheme, if that makes sense. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm trying to think of it in my head. Long time, now I'm, would be your A. Coming back yeah. home would be your B. I've been away now, Ohio would be your C. I've been alone is your B again. Yeah, yeah, Which is, like, right. super interesting. Yeah. And to, like, yes. match it yeah. syllabically, I think, is really, really impressive. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, the cadence of the song is absolutely bonkers in my brain. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think, like, the sparseness, like you said, of the song gives you space to, like, mull over that and, like, think about it and, like, really just, like, soak in the coolness of the structure of the words. So I really enjoy that about the song. Um yeah, I really like this song. Yeah. I'm really surprised at how li- I saw the what we were taping today, and I was like, "Wait, is there? An- Wait, really? Wait, <laughs> really?" Yeah, I, I, the only I thought about that too. Like, I I thought, man, this is like kind of I, like I mentioned the the person the DJ that I that got me in a rubber soul was like this was her favorite song on that album mm-hmm. that's super cool because this I is would... what i've never heard someone claim as a favorite so like i'm super intrigued to know why yeah i mean it's just it's so this dj is really into like 60s mod cool mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and this song is really cool yeah. sounding yeah. right it's like it has that that 60s mod feel to it mm-hmm. um but it's way different than that. It's a it's a Paul McCartney song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it has it has weird like the weird cadences, the weird rhyme scheme. Um, it has that that little part. I mean, like I love like the bridge, which is like a glimpse into Paul's cutesiness that he would get into later you know like <laughs> i've been good as good as i can be you know like, it's like dude you've been on tour like, like being the worst boyfriend on the planet let's yeah, exactly. be quite like, honest no, not, no one buys that at all um it's it's so coy it's so tongue-in-cheek um and clever mm-hmm. it, i mean i can see why someone who's really into those qualities of music would be really into this song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't want to call it less genuine than the other songs on rubber soul, but it's certainly definitely more, it definitely like nudging you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and winking at you. Yeah. Um, which I think is, is, is neat. It's, and again, this has always been one of my favorite songs in this album. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, I, I think the groove is just killer. I yeah. think the sh- the shaker is, 
I mean, it's the coolest sounding shaker I've heard on. Right. I mean, so are you into the band Spoon? Do you know that? Yeah, band? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So like they, I I think this song is a Spoon song. Um, like this is yeah. There's even a very specific song uh, by Spoon called "Back to the Life," and it's on um, "Kill the Moonlight." And that song specifically has this exact groove. Um, okay. Yes, shaker and all. Huh. Um, so I for I mean, you know, for that reason and for so many others, I mean, this groove is just it's it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's really it's just it's just really cool. And it's amazing to think that, you know, it's they get a groove and such a great feel on a track that they tracked four times on the last day that they had to finish a record. Like it's just so yeah. like thrown together and yet it still sounds fantastic oh this old thing (laughs) oh wait yeah (laughs) yeah i mean you could i wish you could be so lucky to say oh this was a throwaway track you know like only in the beatles world is this a throwaway track yeah you know know? i i I think you know and and it kind of goes to what you were saying about this like it's got like a real mod feel to it for some reason like it just feels like it feels like it exists outside of like the Beatles. Like it would be, you know, like when I think about like sixties bands of like, you know, like your, 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 your kind of top tiers, your, um, you know, if you're thinking like, uh, of British invasion stuff, um, you've got your kinks, you've got, uh, the stones, you've got the who Dave Clark five, things like that. Um, and then you've got the American versions, um, like the Buckinghams and, uh, the turtles and things like that. It feels like, it's it would be one of their best songs yeah like it would be like the best thing that dave clark five ever did which is because dave clark five has some great songs um but it feels it feels like it would be like top flight kinks but sure mid-level beatles maybe sure i mean you know there are a ton of better beatles songs and so i understand why this song is so low on the on the totem pole for you yeah because I don't dislike show. it, like sure. I yeah, definitely no. don't like. I definitely enjoy the track. I I think it's a really great song. But there are like so many other songs that would do what this song does, but better. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yep. That's exactly um, how I feel on it. Yeah. All right. I like it. It's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song because it's a Beatles song. Right. Um, <laughs> it's and, better than anything and... I've written. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, speaking for myself. <laughs> uh, I, I do find it, it it's interesting because they kind of go through these these phases where a new instrument or a new toy comes into play and they go hard on it for a little bit and yes, I man. think one of the things I love on this track is the volume pedal which yep, that volume pedal it's also on I Need You <laughs> and I think it's fantastic on I Need You uh, it's on Yes It Is, which I think is beautiful on there. Yes, it is. It's true. Um, and so it's funny that like this is all from like that same session because they're also using uh, like an electric piano all throughout the help sessions. Um, and I feel for a long time, I feel like I thought maybe the volume guitar pedal was maybe that electric piano in that, in that same kind of like 
just like bop, 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 bop. yeah yeah um, yeah like it could have been the same thing uh but that makes me think you know also how well what they're do like what they're doing on the track does work if you know when i think about like if they were just you know strumming a chord in that spot like yeah it would feel totally different so they were great at like saying like this thing has a very specific use or we're, we're using it for this very specific reason and really getting the most out of it. And then once it like risks like becoming a gimmick, they chuck it like the harmonica I, in the early days. That's like, a great point because I don't think you mentioned that this song has never been played live and mm-hmm. I don't think this song works live. And it's for that reason. Yeah. This is like a production piece, mm-hmm. you know, like this song doesn't work with a band, you know, it just, it doesn't, it wouldn't sound right on a stage. Yeah. And I, it's totally understandable why. And in, in a way, like it's so totally understandable why this is on rubber soul. These are, these are songs that you don't normally hear the Beatles play live. You didn't hear rubber soul play live. Mm-hmm. Um, and this song, especially it's like that volume pedal, the shaker, the groove, like this song belongs on an album. It doesn't belong on a stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And I, I think, you know, as, as catchy as it is, you know, it's, it's definitely album track material. Um, but it's such a nice little, it, it's placed really well. I think in the second half of, of rubber soul, it just, it gives it like this nice kind of weight for with it. Oh, there we go. I, didn't even mean, <laughs> I immediately feel like an asshole about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, uh, so let's put a pin in this. How do we feel at 184? Too high, too low, just right? What are we thinking, gang? Really? I'm thinking it's I, I'm thinking it's just right. That's just my opinion. I you know, like I, I was a little offended by it because I'm like, oh, I love that song. <laughs> but 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 you know, talking about it and thinking about it, you know, there are a ton of Beatles songs that do what this song does and does it much better. So yeah. Well, you know, and I was so glad when I threw this one out to you because you were like, I have really, uh, I have memories with this song. I have like a yeah. lot of opinion, like, like you, like this was a song that like made an impact on you. So it's always yeah, cool to see like the different tracks that make impacts on people. Like it's almost always different. And, you know, it's just a fascinating thing for me to, to look into. So what do you think? 184, Julia. Um, I don't. I don't know what's ahead of us, so it's always hard to gauge. I feel like. Wait, it's, you don't know either. I mean, I have access to it, but I just. She don't never look. looks at the list. I just, I like to oh be my. surprised. <laughs> oh she, my! God. She typically doesn't even be... know what the song is until like the day before we tape it. Yeah, like, she I look at the calendar. I'm like, oh, that's. I should listen to that song. <laughs> I would just be. I would. That would drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> It drives me crazy that I don't that I don't know. I, I like I am that would if I was in the same house with this information. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm like ruining the next three years of your oh. life. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. This, uh, this is one of the fun things is like as I'm booking guests, you know, throughout the year, and I'm sending, you know, booking a guest for like July, and I'm saying, well, here's what's coming. You know, here are the the preceding songs. And they're going, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've got this at 154 of 223. Like, I don't know that I want to do your podcast, good sir. <laughs> I, I say good day. I, I looked at it and I, and, I th- and I thought, I was like, you know, I'm not going to say anything. 
<laughs> Man, well. No, well, we like we totally encourage everyone to come here with all of your opinions. Like we're, you know, obviously you listen to the show. You know, this is Jonathan, Jonathan's opinion. His list is not the end all be all of all Beatles things. Like I, I love it when people are like, you're fucking wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> See, I really am waiting to like get the guest who like, I'm like, hey, would you like to be on this podcast? And like, you know what? I hate the Beatles. I'm like, cool. All the more reason. Please come tell me why you hate the Beatles. Yeah, Yeah. just listen to this one song. Let's talk this one song and tell me why you think this is trash. Like, I would love to have those conversations. Yes, I love it. I love all kinds of guests. It's so fun. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel like it's maybe a little low, but again, I'd have to like look at what's ahead. But I feel like I'd maybe put it a little bit higher because I like this song. I think it's a jam. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's a jam. I like it. Okay. So far away, yet somehow still the same. I feel a memory taking over, screaming down the lane in some old Chevrolet. Think it might go supernova. Wonderful. Well, let's uh, let's switch some gears real quick. I want to ask you. Uh, so we talked about abundances. Um, tell me about American One Hundred. I'm really interested in your podcast. How did this oh, come about? Oh yeah. So American One Hundred has an insane story. Uh, I was working at a cafe, and um, there were a lot of. It was a small, slow little cafe downtown New Orleans, and um, and we had a lot of slow days. And um, and I have Spotify, so um, you know, one of the things I embarked upon, I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna listen to pick a year and listen to the Billboard Hot 100 top 100 songs from that year. Mm-hmm. And this started like, you know, I you know cleaning dishes or making coffee and just have it on the background and playlist would last the whole shift. Um, and I was like, man, what if I, what if I did a, I did a show about this, you know? And so the original idea was I was going to pick a year mm-hmm. and talk about that year and talk about these songs and contexts. But then I thought, like, man, you know, like that's a little too biased because we all have years and music that we love, sure, yeah. and would and it would just end up just being this like trying to think of a polite way to say it but like just the self-indulgent you know going through my record collection right right <laughs> and that and that's like that's not what people want to do you know yeah. like they they want to they want to know about why they want to find out what why music speaks to them you know um and so i was like you know what i'll do i'll i'll have a randomizer <clears throat> and basically have a whole bunch of years in a hat and then pick and I don't have any control 
over what I'm going to talk about whatsoever week to week. Wow. Um, yeah. So the only thing, the only stipulations are that it's 1957. It, I guess that's when the Billboard Hot 100 came out mm -hmm. um, as a chart mm -hmm. and to 2000. And it's just 20th century music. And um, I have a, uh, an imaginary special guest who's a robot named Brando. And he helps me pick, <laughs> and he, and he helps me pick these songs. And um, at the end of every, every episode, we pick uh, two songs and a year from the Billboard Hot 100 to discuss for the next week. Um, and it keeps me on my toes. It's a, it's a great musical education. Um, I've been really lucky to have some amazing years and some amazing songs. The first year, I think, was uh, 1976. Um, and I think the first song was um, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Oh, um, yeah, that was like the first song that um, that we talked about on, on American 100. And what's really funny about that is my first guest hated that song. <laughs> and, and it was perfect. It yeah. was great. It was a great episode. Um, it was that song. And we had Dreamweaver by Gary Ray. Oh, nice. um, yeah. So like. Can it's I ask crazy. you? I mean, let me ask you: What's your first exposure to Dreamweaver, and was it the Wayne's World soundtrack? <laughs> I think it was the Wayne's World soundtrack. That was definitely mine. <laughs> yes, because yes. I, I I remember buying that soundtrack, um, and that song was on there, and it was this weird outlier, and then hearing it on the radio, and it's a totally different version, like freaked me. I was like, Why is this a whole different version of the song? What's going? Oh my god! So, oh yeah, random and nonsense. Yeah, but. I mean, he re-recorded it for that that film. Yeah. Um, that movie has some weird, some weird mojo behind it because it brought a lot of songs from the past back into the zeitgeist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More famously, Bohemian Rhapsody. It gave yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody a number one. Yes, nine months I think after Freddie Mercury died. Like it was that yeah. close in time, which oh, is wow. mind blowing to think. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. That's I mean that's so that's the kind of that's the fun stuff that we get to do on the show is like just talk about sometimes it's a hit sometimes it's something that everyone knows sometimes it's a deeper cut I mean one of the things that's really fun about going back and looking at the Billboard Hot 100 is realizing that you know hits can take on so many different forms and there are a lot of songs that you don't think of as being hits like you're like what is that you know so if you're ever wondering why a song is popular you hear a song on the radio and you're like oh, why is this popular it's like guess what in 15 years 10 years no one's gonna know what that song is right <laughs> yeah. you know yeah and that happens a lot in music yeah um songs are very successful without having staying power mm -hmm. um and then there are some songs that absolutely break through and stand the test of time so it's 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 just a, it's a wonderful, um, it's a gift to have that show. I don't think of that show as my show at all because it was just, it came about from just random being bored at a coffee shop. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and by making it a random experience in my life, it's been quite rewarding. That's awesome. Have you, have you found any kind of unknown gems that you're like, Oh shit, I'm totally adding this to my collection or found any new artists that you had never heard and, now you're so diving definitely. into. I mean, definitely. Um, 
you know, what's weird is so far in the show, I haven't had anything that was completely sight unseen. Maybe there was like there's there was one tune um by the Silvers called Hotline. It was a disco song. Um and I'm I'm like not that up on my disco, you know? <laughs> Um, I mean, there's just there's like your your quintessential disco, there's so but then much there's disco, like though. there's so much there's disco, so much. Um, and so I'm, you know, when I got that one, I was like, whoa, I don't don't know what that is. But I mean, um, there wasn't a lot because, like I told, like I said, like I had done research on this for like a couple years, so I'd actually gone through and listened to, you know, hours of of Billboard Hot 100, mm-hmm. um, but you know, through the research that I do for the show, I mean, yeah, I come across weird shit all the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, American pop music is full of weird, weird stuff. Yeah. Um, Have you come across so... Disco Duck yet? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. What is that? Dude. Oh, my God. Okay, Disco a. Duck will change Watch the Bee Gees documentary if you haven't. Okay. Oh, Isn't that, is that where we saw it? Yeah. yeah. So we watched the Bee Gees documentary recently, and they, they sort of did like a little um, dive into disco as a whole when they got right. to that point of their career. Because they had this huge pop career pre-disco. I had no idea. <laughs> um, so when they got to the disco portion of their career, they sort of did like a little dive into disco as a whole. And got to this song called disco duck well and they got to disco duck and the conversation of like how with anything that becomes popular it becomes a commodity and then there's a million different things that are made to just cash in on it yeah and then sure. all of a sudden you go from like these legitimately created incredibly smart groovy songs to like well let's put this guy in a duck outfit and do a disco song in a duck oh. voice Wow. And have Disco Duck. Um, I was wow. like, what What the fuck is this? I was <laughs> yeah. angry yeah. about it. I was like, why, music industry? Why? <laughs> I thought you knew about Disco Duck no. before then. You when, did, because you were like, yeah, it's fucking Disco well, Duck. And well, I was like, why would we, I know this? <laughs> we went and recorded in Memphis a few years ago at Arden Studios, and their hallways are like lined with all these records that have been recorded there, or mixed there, or mastered there. And they're like, well, yeah, here's Isaac Hayes' Hot Buttered Soul, and uh, you know, Big Star Radio City and um, Disco Duck and um, <laughs> what? And uh, uh, the Hustle and Flow soundtrack. And I'm like, wait, y'all say Disco Duck? Y'all did Disco Duck here where all this other amazing shit was done? Like, wow. yeah, we uh, we mixed and mastered and cut it to final here. God damn. Wow. Disco I mean, Duck that's... is worth the dive. It's pretty So fun. I, one of the episodes, and I think it's the episode with uh, the disco song, the hotline, um, we talk about novelty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's to bring it back to the Beatles for a second. Um, you know, that is something that I don't think we give them enough credit for and, and are thankful enough for that. The Beatles never made a novelty track, mm. like in terms of the Beatles that we know in terms of like 
the the good Beatles that we know. Sure. Um, um, the 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 studio albums we didn't we didn't have novelty Beatles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of one. The, if, I, I mean, mean, as far as what's on a record, like on an album, I can't think of one. The only thing I would think to consider in that conversation would be, uh, you know, my name, look up the number, which is like the B side to the long and winding road. But like, that's relatively obscure, you know? And I was, I I was going to say the one I would probably put in that category would be maybe, um, honey pie, which is like an ode to like, yeah vaudeville like tin pan alley things but it's almost like that's it's almost the pastiche because like as silly as it is he's like mccartney's totally selling it and like the parts are done so well and like lennon does the lead guitar solo on that and it's It's fantastic pretty like yeah like they they commit to it as opposed to just like look at how funny we are like it's really <laughs> right. well done yeah right right and so i think that's there is like they're showing like a reverence to that music you totally. know and a respect to it as opposed to like taking the piss out of it totally and i think that we really should be thankful for that because looking back on the, on on the podcast on american 100 you know there are a lot of artists that didn't escape that like they there are a lot of artists that straight up had novelty tracks that were mm-hmm. encouraged to have novelty that mm-hmm. disco was full of novelty yeah mm-hmm. um and you know that is something that i'm really thankful for with a band like the beatles that they never stooped to that direction yeah and, yeah and that, that that's kind of the benefit of you know calling it quits when they do is like they don't have that you know that low you know that that low of the career where like all of a sudden money's kind of tight and they got to cash in on some craze absolutely like, you know at some point in your in your in your show you may encounter uh the beach boys and the fat boys doing wipeout i might i very I had well the 45 might. as a child because <laughs> i was a child and it was for children um, i very well might but like you never had that low ape that low point of like well, we need something to, you know, put something Absolutely. into the coffer and put the attention back on us for, in some way. I mean, what was that, that live Paul track? It was like, Love Me Do mixed with oh, something fuck. else. Um, what was that? P.S. Love Me Do. Yes. That was probably mm. a if low If you've not point. heard that one. Um, <laughs> no. I don't recommend No. That's <laughs> no. really bad. Uh, thank you. Thank you for telling tell, uh, telling me to steer clear though steer clear I though. i'm like list, don't yeah. listen to disco duck and don't listen to ps love me do <laughs> listen to disco duck because it'll it'll blow your mind it's pretty wild i'm listening to that as soon as we get off this call <laughs> it's i mean it, it's i feel like i'm ruining mike's life <laughs> no no i love this i'm like here's some terrible music also i have access to the list and i don't look at it <laughs> no i i i love it i love it i love both of those things i'm a, i'm amazed at your fortitude well, <laughs> I feel like fortitude is what we need to get through the next three oh my years gosh. of this podcast. I need to keep something a surprise because if I just know what's coming, then it's going to be like, oh, I don't want to talk about you that You know, song. like the top three, I think. I only know, I can only think of off the top of my head, you're number one. Okay. I know you're number one, um, but that's all I can think of at Which the moment. Which takes you back to Micah's song, Your Favorite Beatle. Well, yes. I guess it'd be Your Favorite Beatle's song. Yeah. Well, but, I think I also know Your Favorite Beatle. That's true. Yeah. But, um. 
this takes us to uh, to the rapid fire part of the show. Do you have some time for Love some it. rapid fires? Beautiful. Yes, indeed. All right, let's do this. All right, Michael McKee, rapid fire number one, your favorite Beatles song. Whoa, man, that that, that one hits. Coming that out strong. Hard. <laughs> that one hits pretty hard. Um, I'm going to have to, um, I'm probably going to have to say long, long, long. Ooh. Um, yeah, that song People hits sleep me. on that song, man. Yeah, they sleep on that song. It hits me in a way, it's, I don't consider it the best Beatles song sure, ever made. sure. Um, but it's, it has a lot of sentimental value to me. It okay. was the white album was kind of my Katrina Beatles album. Yeah. Um, and that song was kind of like my Katrina song. Um, and, uh, it just, George is my favorite Beatle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, that song is so George. Yeah. Um, it is, it, it's spiritual, it's deep, it's dark, it's magical. It, uh, has elements of the divine. It has elements of romantic love, platonic love, love for his band, longing, lo- loss. Mm-hmm. Um, that song is, uh, it's absolutely beautiful. And, um, and yeah, it makes, it brings a tear to my eye, uh, to this day. Fantastic. So, yeah, it's my favorite Beatles song. Yeah. I love it when you have a song, and I'm sure all of us have many songs, that when you hear it, it takes you right back to a place of feeling everything. 100%. Like it, you get, like, transported to another time, another place. 100%. The people you are with, the the smell, the food, you know, just like everything, like whatever was surrounding you and touching your senses at that point, like you just immediately go right back to it. Like a hundred percent. How amazing is music that it can do that? Like, well, it, if I could just chime in real quick about that, about that moment, yeah. um, I had a psychedelic experience um, with that song and um, there's that really weird so- sound at the end. Mm-hmm. And the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And every time I hear that, I'm transported wow. right back to that moment. You yeah. know, um, there aren't many songs like that. So yeah. that's, that's, that's amazing. One for me. That's fantastic, yeah. man. Music is awesome, yeah. you guys. Right? <laughs> it, it, is, it is really cool. <laughs> Um, what is your least favorite song by the Beatles? Yeah, um, I'm probably going to have to say "A Long and Winding Road." All right, <gasps> my dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh! That's when I saw that that was when I saw that that was on your list, and it was where it is on your list. <laughs> Real was like, I like this. <laughs> now I, I, I like. This I'll list. ask you: Is it? The song itself is it the recording? Uh, is it the version? Like, what is it that that drives you away from that song? So, I think someone on your pod last episode said there's a difference between a song that you don't like, and then there's a difference between a song that bothers you, right? Mm-hmm. And like that song is the one Beatles song, or one of the few Beatles songs that just absolutely bothers me, mm-hmm. and I think it's the I think the lyrics are not great. Um, I think the song is 
the one song that sounds like Paul trying to be Paul McCartney with mm. instead of just being Paul McCartney. Yeah. And I think that 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 disingenuousness, I think that drives me away from the song um, because Paul is one of my favorite artists of all time. And to hear him stoop to that level of just being a caricature of himself is hard to listen to. I don't think, by the way, I don't think it's a bad song. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think that they have ever written a bad song. Mm-hmm. I simply think it's my least favorite for those reasons. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah, spot on. Yeah, I always felt like it, it was like he was trying really hard to to be really sad. Um, Is that sort of the closest they've gotten to a novelty track? Maybe like. Ooh. Paul it's trying novelty, to be Paul. It kinda, it, like, yeah, it kind of sounds like a, yeah, it sounds like a novelty of the, of a Paul song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when you watch like the let it be footage and he's like staring up into the camera and looking so forlorn and sad and, and doe eyed. Yeah. I don't buy and it. John's one for looking one second. so unhappy on, <laughs> on base and George is not even paying attention. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. with you on that. Uh, yeah. What is your favorite Beatles album? This one changes a lot. Yeah. Um, so currently, I'm going to have to say specifically the mono version of Revolver. Dude. I don't think there is a. I don't think there is an album on the face of this planet that rocks harder than that specific album. That that record is so good. Yeah. Um, and specifically the mono version. It's loud. It's rich. Mm-hmm. It's full. It's thick. That record is to the point. It, there is not a bad moment, not a bad second on that album. And um, to this day, I think it's, you know, it's probably the, the greatest pop album ever made. Fantastic. Amazing. I love that. Answer. You're so happy right <laughs> now. So You're into like, it, man. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I feel so seen. <laughs> it's, it's just true. It's just true. Spot on. Spot on. I'm, you know, it changed like that, that, that question. I think about that question a lot and it, and it changes a lot, but I always come back to Revolver. Yeah. It, it, it stands every test, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. What's your favorite memory associated with a Beatles song? Um, you can think about it. And the long, long, long yeah. one's a pretty good one. Yeah. For sure. That's a good one. I mean, that's, that's, that's a special moment. Um, I guess this is not really a, a favorite moment with the Beatles song but i remember right before katrina um there was a moment where we were evacuating and um i they had on ticks had on um a replay of the beatles concert uh in city park okay mm-hmm. um yeah. um and i found out one of the guys that we evacuated with uh, had as a keepsake, he had his mom's ticket stub, and that was a really oh, special wow. moment. Oh, yeah, cool. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think the ticket was like five dollars or something. Yeah, it's like it's, it's so a cheap. really special. Yeah. yeah, really special moment. So I, I think about that moment a lot, leaving New Orleans and not knowing if I'd ever see it again, or yeah. mm-hmm. you know, um, and just having that in the back of my mind, thinking that things were going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny because I feel like it's it's almost somewhat of a recurring theme um, with so many new Orleans artists that we have on the show. Um, I feel like there's a lot of correlation between like Katrina memories 
and the Beatles. Yeah, I know Andre was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a couple others that I just they're yeah. escaping me right now. Well, I think it's also like a comfort. Yeah, you want you know? that, you want yes. like that element it's of comfort. It's familiar, yeah. and it's like something you know has been there for a long time and will be there, even if you're worried about your home. You know, so you yeah. can like. It's, it's sort of like something you can like hold on to for a minute and just find a bit of comfort in something that you know and love and won't let you down. <laughs> it's funny because I, yeah. can, I, can, I can think back and remember a lot of the music I was listening to during Katrina when I was evacuated. And I don't remember any of it being Beatles. And I almost wonder to some extent if I subconsciously didn't listen to it because I didn't want to like associate it with that. Because mm-hmm. like yeah. I can remember this is such a weird memory. Um my dad had a cousin die when I was real young and it was the first time I'd ever gone to a funeral. And they do that thing where like family ride in like a limousine, you know, um, yeah. as part of like the procession or whatever. And I remember being in the limo and Billy Joel's, uh, my life was on. I don't care what you say. Anymore. Oh yeah. This is yeah, my yeah. And so that song for me, I vividly recall sitting in the limousine and hearing this little like boppy little tune <laughs> But everyone else was so sad. That's and so I weird. was like five and I never met the guy. And I'm just like, this is my life. <laughs> wow. So it's but like it, Monster. It's, it's one of those things that transports <laughs> me there every time. So I almost wonder if like maybe I didn't listen to mm. some of my like real favorite artists subconsciously so as to not like sully that you know that connection for some reason. Interesting. Man, I was I'm I'm like a bleeding heart. So I just like I leaned into it, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like the white album was, I dove into that album during Katrina, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, like you said, like you said, Julia, it's for me, it's about comfort. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I, for some reason, find a lot of comfort in band of horses. I, I don't yeah. know what it is mm-hmm. about them, but they're one of my, like, if I'm super stressed, I put on a band of horses record and I'm just, it just calms me the fuck down. I don't know it's what sad, it is about that. Sad shit. <laughs> I know. Well, that's like that's how Harry Nelson is for me. Oh, I'm yeah. the same with like Harry Nelson and Michael Nesmith are both like super calming for me. Oh, I love Mike um, Nesmith. And just like can totally just bring me out of like any kind of, you know, fluster or panic or, you know, high stress moment. Like I could put on pretty much any Mike Nesmith record or like most Nelson records. And just kind of like decompress to that music. Like that's just, yeah, man. those are two of the ones that do it for me every time. Yeah. yeah, man. I love, I love both of those artists. And I also love how Beatles adjacent they were, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, how the Beatles just like were the conduit for all of this incredible um, musical sensibility. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, in just what we were just discussing, uh, no Beatles, certainly no monkeys, no solo Michael Nesmith. Uh, no Beatles, no Harry Nelson, no yeah. Nelson. Yeah, I That's love. Sure. We went and saw. Um, was that 2011 when we went and saw the Monkees in L.A. Yeah, yeah. and they played uh, Circle Sky, <laughs> and we're Whoa. like. We jump out of our seats. I'm like that shit fucking rocked. raging. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Everyone around us is like significantly older than us they were there for the monkey's heads and they're just like what is this and we're just like we're just jamming on the obscure shit and like rocking out we looked like complete lunatics but i loved every second of it yeah it was like the first tour that nesmith rejoined after davy jones passed 
Oh, um, and wow. they were doing like 14 dates. They weren't coming anywhere near here. So we were like, well, we got vacation time. Let's uh, let's go. So it was the Hollywood Bowl. Not the Hollywood Bowl. Um, uh, the Greek. The Greek Theater. Yeah. Fantastic show. Just amazing. Do you know about the local band? Do you know about the, the Missing Links? Yes. yes I've, Wait, we've, we were just talking about them the other day. We, went them, uh, we, we saw them with Kyle Malone song. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've been wanting to like see them again because that was a lot of fun. Yeah, they are kick-ass. I, I, I often petition them, like, get back together and do something. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, especially if you're like a hardcore Monkees fan and like you are into the deep the deep stuff oh, yeah. you know then then yeah you like you like that band yeah i think one of the things that you actually loved about me from the start was i had actually seen head yeah. like yep. in yep. middle school like one of my best friends who i actually talked to earlier today um like we watched head together like she was also a huge monkeys fan and he was like wait you've seen head like we were doing I something you. i forget what we were doing and you were like i was about some more steam yeah I was like, wait did you just quote head? <laughs> Holy shit. I'm down yeah, with that, you, girl. <laughs> that movie was like in the same period of that, um, like the, like my little psychedelic period um, where I discovered like long, long, long and the beauty of that song. Head was like right in there. Like yeah. that was in like my psychedelic music for, foray, right? Like that's when I really got into um, Magical Mystery Tour and mm-hmm. like, songs like blue jay way you know yeah um like that's right down that that alley i sure. love that movie that, and how do you feel uh, how do you feel about the magical mystery tour movie uh, i mean it's i used to think it was really cool um the last few times i've watched it i fell asleep and i feel kind of guilty about it. I, no i mean it's it's like it's there you know yeah um i'm happy for all of the the music sure um sure. it's so disconnected it's just like it's it's hard to get pulled in aside from just getting pulled in by like the magnetism of the beatles yes which is and cool that, but like yeah, there's a lot of what other things really happening that like subtract from that i don't think there is i mean this is a hot take i don't think there are very many good, good beatles cinematic entries and i'm sad about that actually i'm like mm-hmm. i wish there was more beatles on film that like was good yeah um like i mean i think hard day's night is awesome um because as a because that's a great film mm-hmm. like even if it wasn't a beatles movie it would yeah. still be a really good movie yeah um i don't think help is that good i think it's like kind of funny because the beatles are funny mm-hmm um, but like, I think it's kind of sad that we don't have a whole lot of like really good Beatles film. Yeah. Um, they didn't leave us with, with a lot. We kind of touched on that when we talked with, um, with Michael Cerveris. Um, you know, they, they did a lot of things on like a lot of like skits and little things on television, like early on that are truly interesting and funny, um, but are either not preserved or like barely watchable quality. Um, And that's the bummer is like, you can see, like you can hear like how funny it is. And you know, when you see bits of like Lennon doing things with like Dudley Moore on, uh, I forget the name of the show that Dudley Moore had like just charisma in front of a camera for days or like um, uh, how I won the war. Like Lennon's bits are great in that, but the film is not all that great. So like you kind of lose it. Um, 
but yeah, there's so much more. I wish that we could have seen them do on camera. Like yeah. every now and then someone will bring up the topic of, uh, they bought the film rights to, um, Oh shit. Uh, the Hobbit movie. Oh, um, talking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They bought the film rights to Lord of the Rings, uh, in 67, I think, or 68. And they were, okay. So they, they petitioned Tolkien to like, let them make the film. And he was just like, I'm not, I don't approve this. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, cause wow. like Lenin yeah. wanted to be, um, Gollum, like it was going to be this whole thing, but like they were talking about making this movie in 1969, which is such a weird concept because there's such weird, different people that don't like each other, barely want to work right. together. So the concept right. of like, let's go create this really epic film, epic film is so fucking weird to me. How ironic though, is it that it would come back to Peter Jackson, right? Yep. He's doing the new doing film. the get back yeah. film. Yeah. 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 Um, which that that I'm really excited about. Same, same. I uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, Micah, man, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, where can our listeners follow along uh, with you and all your creative endeavors? And with the record so, coming out yeah, on the you, 16th and podcast yeah, episodes can, coming soon. Yeah, the you can go to micahmckee.bandcamp.com. You can also go to campersrule.com. That's the record label that's putting out abundances. Um, and, uh, and on the 16th, you'll be able to hear my music on Spotify. You can also hear my music on Spotify right now, but my new record you can hear on Spotify <laughs> on the, on February 16th. Yes. And when does, um, the podcast is on a hiatus right now. Is that right? Oh, the podcast is on season break. Yes. Um, and, uh, that you can find anywhere that, uh, you like to listen to podcasts. When are and, new uh, episodes coming? New ex- new episodes should be in two weeks. Beautiful. Two weeks from Friday. Yeah. And how week. often do and, you do? You and post so them? we do it once every two weeks. So it's like Bad. it's bi-weekly, which is <laughs> which actually means two different things. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's every other week um, we have a new episode. Wonderful. And, uh, yeah, and go catch up right now. Yeah, it's perfect time. I think I'll do that. I'm starting my morning walks again. So I think it's time to like pump the brakes on the 500 political podcasts I listen to (laughs) and just like give my brain a little rest. Like it's I'll cut them down. I'll cut them down to like half of the political (laughs) podcast because I still want to be informed. It's great for that. It's great for that. Yeah, it's It's time to to like it's meant to be a respite. Yes. Perfect. I love it. Time to go catch up. Yes. Beautiful. Well, Micah, thank you so much, man. This has been an absolute pleasure getting to chat to you. Thank you all so much. This has been awesome. I love the show, and uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of it. Well, thank you, man. And uh, we've still got 183 other episodes, so uh, we'll have to have you back one or two more times. We've got <laughs> please, nothing but time. Please do once. <laughs> please do once we get further further down the road, because I'd like to like to talk about some deeper songs. Yes, yeah. you got it, man. Killer, well, thank awesome. you so much, man. This has been a blast. I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Good night. Micah McKee, everybody. So fun. How about that? That was a great chat. That was. I'll tell you, I have a lot of excitement uh, for any episode of our show that discusses Beatles, Oasis, Monkeys, Harry Nilsson, all within 
an hour and a half. Oh my God, that was just like heaven. That's for all you. the touch points. Yeah, the show is over. I have nothing left to talk about. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun, though. Um, Someone's gonna come like hack our Wi-Fi to get your list if you shut it down. <laughs> the Russians got it. <laughs> um, that was a lot of fun, though, y'all. Check out Micah's new record, Abundances. The single is great. I listened to it. He sent it to us, and I listened to it earlier today. It's such a great song. I yes. love it. Out February 16th, Mardi Gras Day, even though Mardi Gras is not happening. Parades aren't happening. Mardi Gras is happening. I ain't hanging out with y'all people outside. But it's a holiday. You can't oh, erase I'm still, it. I'm taking the day off. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Right. But like, We're taping a podcast. The day still exists. They're just not having parades. True. We're, we're taping a podcast on Mardi Gras Day. Are we? Oh, yeah. Oh. It's a doozy. Oh, a doozy good or doozy bad? Always a doozy good. <laughs> Always a doozy good. Okay. Anywho, what do you folks think <laughs> about <Anywho>. weight? <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, what do y'all think about weight at number 184? Too high, too low, or just right like Baby Bear's porridge? Oh, dear. Uh, let us know in the comments section what you think. Um if you are enjoying what you've heard, please leave us a how many star review. Do we want one? Nope. Two? Nope. Three? Nope. Four? If you must. How many? Five. Give us that five star review. <laughs> uh, that would be super swell. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Ranking the Beatles. On Twitter at Ranking Beatles. No, the. And on Facebook. Ranking the Beatles. That's right. Um, be sure to follow along and tell all your friends and uh, join in the fun with us. We're having a blast here. We hope you guys are enjoying it too. Lots of good stuff coming up the pike for you. So with that in mind. Is it up the pike or down the pike? A lot of good things coming down the road for you folks. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of good thing, a lot of good things coming down the road for you good folks. Uh, so we hope you will continue to join us because we're having a darn rootin' tootin' time. With that in mind, we will bid you adieu. So have a wonderful week. We will see you back here next week. Until then, I am Jonathan. And I'm Julia. This is Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.